think that spoken word gives us a little bit of the, a glimpse into uh, maybe what the disciples, uh, Jesus' followers, were feeling as Jesus uh, returned back to heaven, feeling a little bit uh, vulnerable, feeling maybe a little bit uh, surprised and unsure of what the future held. And so it makes, um, it's interesting to think about what it would mean for them to go from that place to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth and share this, this story. And, and certainly they were supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit to come and remind them and empower them for this mission that Jesus had given them. This week, our text comes out of Acts chapter 1, uh, which is Luke's version of the Great Commission story that we read out of Matthew last week. You know, when we read Matthew, we kind of highlighted the words that, that, that Matthew writes, making disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey. That means to, to live out the teachings of Jesus. Well, when we read from Luke, Luke highlights that you, talking about his followers, will become my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so being a disciple, being a, a follower of Jesus who is growing in our relationship with Christ, who is learning more about what Jesus has called us to and how to obey his words, his, his teachings, also this involves sharing the hope of the good news of Jesus. And so last week we talked about growing, this week sharing, uh, next week we'll talk about serving, and lastly we'll talk about being connected by Jesus. As we take a look at sharing this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, we connect with um, the confusion of the disciples, not knowing exactly where life goes from here, not knowing exactly what it's going to look like for us in the future to uh, be your witnesses in Judea and, and Samaria and, and to the ends of the earth. Unsure because the world around us uh, looks very different. Unsure because um, we cling to hope, hope that is yet to be fully realized. I pray that the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me set up for us a little bit of the, the context of this passage. Luke sets up Acts as part two of his saga, and he addresses it to the lover of God, which is what Theophilus really means. And we're not sure if this is directed to a particular person with this name or whether Luke is just kind of generally addressing it to those who love God and are following God and want to hear part two of this story. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he continued to teach his followers. And if you think back to, to Phoebe reading our scripture this morning, what was Jesus' number one topic that he spent those 40 days teaching about? It was the kingdom of God. Jesus instructs his followers to wait in Jerusalem until God's spirit comes on them. 
And I imagine that during this time, you know, the, the disciples are dealing with all kinds of different emotions. Um, but when they're spending these 40 days with Jesus, I'm sure that they're very excited. They're stoked. They're, they're, they're excited because the Messiah has just come back to life. And they're ready for all of the expectations of the mighty Messiah to take place. All of their Jewish expectations, they've been holding them off. Now's not the right time. Maybe, maybe the triumphal entry is the right time, but that turns out to not be the right time. But certainly now, now that the Messiah has come back to life, this is the time to, to kick some Roman butt and to reestablish a tangible kingdom of Israel. And this is what the disciples ask Jesus. Are you going to free Israel and restore our kingdom? But what's Jesus' main topic been? It's been about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus deflects the question, don't worry about the things that are only in God's control and God's timing. There's a, a nationalistic tone to the disciples' question. And Jesus kind of says, that's not for you to worry about. The, the times, the places that are known to God, don't, don't worry about that. Instead, you will be my witnesses. You will bear witness. You will give testimony to the things that you've experienced. You will go out and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. See, Jesus has a bigger vision than just the kingdom of Israel. He says to his followers that they will be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And Jesus, remember, is a thoroughly Jewish Messiah. But isn't just good news for the Jews. It's good news for everyone that the king has come and has showed humanity the true heart of God. He's made peace with humanity. He's made reconciliation and restoration possible. When Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, this means that we're to, to share what we have witnessed, to bear testimony to the truth, to testify to the truth. And in the Greek, this word for witness is martus. And we get our English word martyr from that. So what does it mean for us to be witnesses of the good news, to be witnesses of the kingdom of God? And, and are these things the same thing? The gospel, this word gospel, comes from a Greek word, euangelion, or evangelion. And from this we get our English word evangelize. It's both a verb and a noun. And so you, uh, in Jesus' world, you would gospel the gospel. You would proclaim the good news. Now, the books of the Bible that we call the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, some scholars believe that these are a new kind of genre, a new kind of writing that is unique to uh, the Bible, unique to the New Testament writers. But certainly the word gospel was not a new Christian word. Gospel was a very Roman word. You might proclaim the good news that Caesar Augustus or Tiberius or Nero was Lord. You would proclaim across the empire that the manifestation of the gods has come and brought peace 
This is what the, the Romans believed about their emperors. So when an important official, especially an emperor, came to a town, the people from the town would go out and they would welcome this, this lord, welcome this, this uh, em- emperor or welcome this noble into the town. They would celebrate their arrival. And so the early followers of Jesus, they adopted this language to talk about Jesus, the Lord, the true manifestation and Son of God who brought peace. This was the good news that the early church proclaimed. Remember, I think I shared about this um, several weeks ago, that Rome doesn't really care about a new religion. They, they were uh, well acquainted with numerous uh, religions all over the place. When they uh, conquered a new people, uh, they just kind of adopted their religion. They welcomed their gods into the, the pantheon of Roman gods and Greek gods that they celebrated. And as long as you paid homage to Caesar, they didn't really care what other gods you prayed to during the week as well. See, they didn't put Jesus to death because he represented another religion. Jesus is put to death because he represents a a disruption to the status quo, a status quo of of the Roman Empire. Uh, He disrupts the the way of things for uh, the Jewish leaders, for the high priest. He represents something completely different and new. And they don't have room for this. The early church martyrs aren't put to death just because Romans don't like their religion. Remember, Romans could be quite tolerant of foreign religions. But when the early church proclaims an alternative good news and an alternative Lord, when they say Jesus is Lord, this Rome cannot tolerate. And so they have to try and snuff it out. So what was this gospel? What was this good news that the early church proclaimed, that they uh, gave testimony to, that got them in so much trouble? One of the clearest examples of the gospel message that the early church proclaimed is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul here reminds the Corinthians of the gospel that he has gospeled. That's what he says. It's the message that he has proclaimed to the Corinthians. It's the story of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and what this means for their life, that everything has changed, everything is being made new. This is what Paul tells the Corinthians. But Paul didn't make this up. This is what Paul has received from Peter and from the others who had passed on this message, this this good news, this gospel. It's the message that Peter proclaims at Pentecost. Jesus as the fulfillment of the Hebrew Scriptures, the true Messiah. He proclaims Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And this is the message that the early church testified to the life of Jesus. And that in Jesus' fulfillment of Scripture, in Jesus' life and and his teachings, the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain, uh, all the other parables that, that Jesus preached, Jesus' death and his resurrection. Everything was being changed and being made 
right. See, with Jesus, everything has changed. The life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, this is a turning point in history. Everything is changing. Salvation is being made possible. Justice is no longer a, a hollow cry, but has something, or rather someone, who can actually do something about the injustice in the world. Individual hearts and lives are changed. Systems of oppression no longer have ultimate reign. The status quo is being done away with. Changes in our relationship with God, changes in our relationship with one another, changes in the way we relate to the government and to the powers that lord it over, changes our relationship with even the environment and more. And so the, the good news is, is big. It changes everything. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection means something. This needs to take root in, in the church. We need to remember that people were willing to give their lives because they believed the story of Jesus changed everything. So we try to have a big view of what it means to share the good news. And I believe that we share the good news in the way we live our lives, in living in tune with what we believe is ultimate reality. And so there are things, there are ways that the church is called to live and act that maybe don't make a lot of sense to people around us, to, to the world around us, because it doesn't match up unless we believe that Jesus' resurrection means something new for us. And so just one example is our belief in following the Prince of Peace and, and doing that nonviolently. It makes no sense unless we are following the Prince of Peace, unless Jesus loved his enemies, and he expected us to love our enemies, to pray for those that persecute us. It doesn't make any worldly, earthly sense unless we believe there's a new pattern, unless we believe something different is happening because of Jesus. But the good news is also a message to proclaim, to confess, and to announce, sharing the hope that comes by being connected to Jesus. You know, our world needs hope. The church has an important role to play right now in proclaiming hope. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of interesting places that people are looking for hope right now. They're looking for hope in a broken political system. They're looking for hope in, in activists. They're looking for hope in, in all kinds of different places. And the church needs to, to step forward and say, look, there's, there's something new happening. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is a turning point in history. There is a hope 
that Jesus is making all things new, that Jesus is making all things right. This is the hope that we are called to bear witness to. We share hope in another way of living. We share hope through seeking the peace and the the wholeness of the places that we live and work and and go to school and, and get our groceries with our neighbors around us. And we share as we have opportunities to help orient people to the truth of Jesus is Lord. We're going to respond in a moment to this message by singing a hymn, Christian, Let Your Burning Light, that that reminds us that wherever we go and whatever we do, we have opportunities in the way we live, in the words we speak, in, in, in the manner of conducting our everyday lives to shine a light, to let people see the hope that only comes through Jesus. Let's sing together. I've said it before, and I will say it again. The good news is not coercive. It doesn't force itself on anyone. The good news reflects the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The good good news does not give you and me the right to judge people's hearts, The good news focuses on the question, who do you say Jesus is? The earliest followers of Jesus, the radical reformers and the faithful church down through the ages were bold in proclaiming their faith. They lived as though the good news of Jesus had changed everything. And they often lived out the meaning of the biblical word, witness as they witnessed until the moment they were martyred. May our belief that Jesus is Lord take deep root in who we are, in how we live, and the message that we proclaim. And may we share this good news that all may find the hope that comes with being connected by Jesus. Grace and peace. Have a great week, Spring Creek.